For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Paul Daner Jr., who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic, also hosts a podcast for The Athletic about the Cincinnati Bengals. Hear that podcast growling, and he's got all the information we need about the 49ers going up against a great offense of the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow is big through the air this season. Jamar Chase was off to the hottest starts of any rookie receiver in the history of the league. They've also got a running back in Joe Mixon, who's playing his best football of his career to this point. These are all things we can talk about with Paul Daner Jr., who joins me next. Today is Friday, December 10th. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Paul Daner. He covers the Cincinnati Bengals out of Cincinnati for The Athletic. Paul, it's great to have you on, man. How are you? Doing good. What's happening? Not a lot. I think 49er fans feeling differently this week than they were last week about the status of the team. Certainly the uh, the secondary going to be a problem this week against the Bengals' odd offense, who ran into some problems injury-wise against themselves last week. What's the status of Joe Burrow heading into to week 14 here against the Niners? Ah, uh, yes. Pinky watch, right? Everybody's <laughs> pinky uh, <gate>. yeah. <laughs> the most important pinky in the uh, since integration study area. Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is going to play through it. He dislocated his pinky. He played through it on Sunday and sort of, you know, sort of Joe, he chose pain. He, he could have worn a glove. He could have worn tape. He tried to see if he could make any of that work that maybe would have made it not as painful when he threw. But he realized if he did that, he'd kind of be given up a little bit of what he could do throwing the ball. So he said, to hell with all that, to quote him, I'm just going to take the pain and throw with it on the bare hand, and he did. And, it, you know, he he didn't practice on, on Wednesday. He's going to get a limited work during the week, but he said he doesn't foresee any scenario where he's not playing on Sunday. And, and honestly, if you wouldn't have known, because his pinky was half sideways and he was wincing half the time, you wouldn't have known that he was hurt the way he played. I mean, he still played pretty well. He still had good zip on the ball. He still made good decisions for the most part, and they, they moved the ball a lot. Uh, almost recovered an entire 24-0 deficit, if not for a Joe Mixon fumble, despite that injury. So I think the thought is he'll play through it. He's a tough guy. Everyone expects him to play through it and probably still play pretty well. What would be the the evaluation of this Bengals team right now? At one point, they were 5-2. and two. They beat the Baltimore Ravens at one point, and for like five days or four days, they were atop the AFC playoff picture. Things have gone a little bit different for them. Obviously, a tough loss last week to the Chargers, an in-conference game, and Justin Herbert and, and Joe Burrow, those guys are going to be squaring off against each other in that conference for a long time. But how would you evaluate this team right now? Is it a team that you think is going to cause problems in the AFC playoff uh, race? Is it a team that can make a deep run? Uh, how would you evaluate them heading into Week 14? I would evaluate them the say the same way you would evaluate them looking backward is is you don't necessarily know what you're going to get week to week. I mean, they have had moments that they have looked every bit the best team in the AFC. I mean, there has been games at Baltimore twice against Pittsburgh. I mean, within this division that they have been dominant. And I mean, they've blown out both the Steelers and the Ravens now. And there have been moments where you said, I think this team is young, developing, coming together. The quarterback is real. Why not, right? And then there have been moments where they have looked every bit the young, still developing, figuring things out team that they kind of are. Whether that be the game against the Jets right after their big win against Baltimore, getting blown out by the Browns, you know, they, they come back and they have two really convincing wins in Vegas and against the Steelers and then kind of, you know, they go down 24 to nothing in the first 20 minutes against the Chargers. And the reason I, w- I think the team has hope to be a real factor is they've played big and big games. They've played up to the moment. 
they've looked bored at some times with the grind. So if you're talking about a team that's going to actually, if they do find a way in, if they are playing in a playoff game, and the only thing we know about Joe Burrow in big stages the bigger it got for him at LSU, the better he played and the better they played. It makes you say, hey, yeah, I think there's no reason to believe this team couldn't be a real factor if they can find the consistency to get themselves in there. Has Jamar Chase been able to make the adjustment, or has he talked at all about the adjustment he's got to make in the second half of the season here? Seven touchdowns through the first nine games. He's been double-teamed a lot, it seems like, over the last few weeks, and uh, rightly so. I think I think people are adjusting to him. They're seeing him on tape. Obviously, the connection and uh, chemistry he and Joe Burrow have going back to LSU is apparent when they're on the field together. Five catches last week, three in each of the previous two weeks, but T. Higgins has stepped up. What's going on with the receiving core and what Jamar Chase has done over the last few weeks? Jamar Chase has had one of the more interesting seasons, not just rookie seasons that we've seen from anybody in a while. I mean, we the first seven weeks, we've never really seen anything like it, dating back to Randy Moss in 1998 coming on the scene with every game he's catching a 30, 40, 50-yard touchdown pass, and he's going over 100 yards, and he's putting Marlon Humphrey in the spin cycle for 200 plus yards against Baltimore and he looks like you know he looks like he's Jerry Rice and then all of a sudden now we haven't really heard a ton from him some of the drops and stuff that were discussed during early in the preseason uh, and camp with him started to show themselves back up the biggest one maybe of the season this past week against the Chargers that he dropped what would have been almost certainly a 71 yard touchdown pass and so it's been this roller coaster but the reason they drafted Jamar Chase that they felt he so perfectly fit them that they would place him above even Penny Sewell at number five overall was they needed the explosive target over the top to really bring that attention to stretch the defense to accentuate T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in the running game of Joe Mixon and so what you've seen is as teams have reacted to the guy who had those great seven weeks it's been cloud coverages it's been safeties shading to the other side and T Higgins has balled out T Higgins has taken advantage I mean he's he's putting up the numbers now that Jamar Chase put up the first seven weeks because Joe Burrow is very happy to sit back there and say you tell me who you want to beat you today and he has admitted to that he's not looking for any single person He's not looking for a matchup. He's just saying, I just take whichever one the defense gives me, whether it's Tyler Boyd over the middle or T. Higgins over the top, or you want to leave light boxes. Joe Mixon has had games where he's gone over 150 in back-to-back weeks in those blowout wins. So that's what they feel like has made that offense special and what Chase brought to them was that one hammer that really people felt like they had to give all that attention to that freed up everything else. Speaking of Joe Mixon, um, this season, it just feels like he's having the best season we've seen. And I know that in, in recent years, he was sharing carries and sharing touches with Gio Bernard. And I think, was it Jeremy Hill was the guy who was back there for a number of years? Uh, I'm wondering about his emergence as like a true sort of three-down running back. He seems like he is the guy now, uh, one of the best running backs in the AFC. What has, has played into that this year for him? There's a couple of factors there. I mean, he's never really been the three-down guy. You mentioned Gio Bernard. They they let him go, knowing that they were willing to go all in on kind of Joe Mixon and, and maybe draft a future replacement in Chris Evans, who they did in the sixth round. But it was the idea of really mostly of connecting him with Frank Pollock again, the offensive line coach who, who played for the Niners back in the day. Pollock was here in 2018 for one season, and it was Joe Mixon's best. He runs the wide zone as good as anybody, and, and Mixon really fed into that system and, and loved it 
he loved him as a coach. But when Zach Taylor came in, he brought in his own guy, Jim Turner. It went terribly for two years. They let him go and decided to bring Frank Pollock back. The first person, when Zach Taylor was having a Zoom interviewing Frank Pollock, Joe Mixon jumped into the coach's room into the back of the Zoom to make sure he said hi and hope we want to reconnect. And he was the first person to jump up and down and scream, we got Frank back the moment that they rehired him, knowing what that meant for him. He felt like he played his best football, had his best fit in this system with this type of a run game. And sure enough, it has been. I mean, he had. they have really found something there with him. He's back to averaging four and a half per carry. They're really wearing teams down with it. His splits in the second half are, are insanely better than in the first half, better than anybody else you'll see in the league, where guys just get sick of tackling him because he's, he's big, but he also can kind of give you a lot of that lateral movement. And so I feel like they have found something with him, and it's no secret that it is. I mean, he's got a touchdown in nine consecutive games. They keep pounding him into the end zone. He's really kind of found himself here, and they're, they're riding it. I think the 49ers have the same sort of thing with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, When he's running as much as he has over the last few weeks and obviously in the concussion protocol right now, that's a factor. Linebackers, D-linemen, safety, secondary guys who come up to the line, they get annoyed having to tackle that guy when you get into the late part of the ballgame. Speaking of the Bengals' defense, you know, you watch some of these highlights from the Chargers last week, and Justin Herbert is, I mean, he's got a cannon. The guy throws extremely hard. He's throwing the ball deep. It seems like, and they've got great receivers in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen who were going up and high-pointing the ball and catching it over uh, the secondary of the Bengals. Jimmy Garoppolo ain't doing that. He ain't throwing over the top of the defense. He's not going to throw outside the numbers the way we saw uh, Justin Herbert do it against the Bengals. How would you evaluate their secondary, and what do they struggle with on defense? Because the 49ers' game plan is come out, run the ball, try to melt some of that clock, deflate the football, and not give you many opportunities. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup because I do think the strength of the Bengals' defense is stopping the run. You know, that's why they felt like they had to build it that way to win in this division. It's the way this division is kind of made with Lamar Jackson and then Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Pittsburgh loves to to play that type of game too. So they built a team like that. They signed DJ Reader to a four-year, $53 million contract. They gave an extension to Sam Hubbard, who's one of the best edge run defenders in the league. They signed Larry Ogunjobi from Cleveland, who was kind of a run-stopping middle guy and thought they could unleash him more as a three technique. So there's three of your four guys up front whose specialty is really run-stopping. And they signed corners that like to put their nose in and tackle. Mike Hilton had that reputation. Trey Waynes may come back, and we haven't really seen hardly any of him here in the last two years, but he had that reputation. And they wanted guys like that. They tried to build a team that could play that way. The weakness, I think, would be the linebackers, I think, can be exposed, and they certainly can now. Logan Wilson has been their best linebacker. He's going to be out for probably two to four weeks, if not longer, um, after sustaining an injury this past week. They've got backups to the backups going to be in there outside of their starter, Jermaine Pratt, and they already haven't been great covering things over the middle. And so if there's a weakness there and it has tended to be a Niners strength, it's going to be, you know, the ability to throw over the middle and the ability to kind of abuse linebackers who maybe are going to have or safeties coming up that aren't going to be able to, you know, contain whatever they're trying to do with George Kittle or or whatever. And so that to me is going to be the spot to look at because elsewhere, I think they've, you know, in the the secondary, they have they have had some success in, in one on one coverage. 
One more thought from you on the offensive line uh, for the Bengals. I think after Joe Burrow went down with the injury last year, a lot of people thought maybe they should have gone and drafted Panay Sewell. I've got a, a buddy who's a big Bengals fan who thought that was the most egregious pick of all time to go out and take, what up, Charlie, to go out and take uh, Jamar Chase. <laughs> and obviously after the start of the season, things are looking pretty good. Wh- how would you evaluate the offensive line right now? How has it played to this point? Joe Burrow been protected? Is he taking hits? The 49ers are pretty good pass rush. Nick Bosa playing with his hair on fire and probably on his way to a comeback player of the year award. Is that a concern? you think this week it's a concern every week here I mean it has and it has been for what seems like forever I mean I I think the frustration was I felt like they should have invested heavier in the line whether that have been in free agency I in retrospect no one I think has an issue with the chase pick at the time certainly I think it was a very interesting debate that we spent lord knows hours and hours and hours of time discussing in the lead up and in, in the post but you know they have been Eh. But that's kind of been a good thing because I think people were worried they were going to be an abject disaster. They have found success in the run game. They have had games where they've protected fairly well. They kind of tried to find something that would maybe not be great, but be reliable enough. If they could have a line that could be the 18th best in the NFL, that would have been perfectly fine by them because with Burroughs processing and speed and the ability of these receivers to win quickly, that would have been enough. And that was kind of, I think, what they looked for. And they've they've been that at times. Burrow has taken a lot of punishment as well, too. And so if you're going to expose them, that's certainly how it has happened. If, if you're the Niners, a team... They would be built much like the Browns were a couple of weeks ago, where if you can get up early and you can get that running game going and then you can set you know, Nick Bosa's of the world to pin their ears back against this line. It's a recipe for things to get out of hand quickly, and that has happened. So the Bengals, I think, much like San Francisco, would prefer to play from ahead and not put themselves in that situation and have it be a day where Joe Mixon is the one with 27, 28 carries and not whoever ends up beating the leading rusher for the 49ers. And that may be what it comes down to. Who can run the ball better on Sunday against this opposing defense? So, hey, man, I really do appreciate the time, Paul. You do a great job covering the team, man. Enjoy the game, and uh, maybe we'll catch up with you, I don't know, Super Bowl time when it's Niners Bengals, uh, some t- somewhere down at SoFi. <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl. Uh, Niners, Niners and Bengals going to go for part three. Huh? Yeah. I think Bengals, Bengals would like if look if there's ever a chance that this team makes it to the Super Bowl, can it just not be the 49ers right. next yeah. time, please? That's Chris Collinsworth <laughs> thought too. I think Collinsworth is like I've had enough of this ass, dude. I right, appreciate you, Paul. We'll catch you later, man. Have a good one. Great stuff from Paul Daner. Make sure you check him out uh, on Twitter. He's got everything you need for Bengals coverage leading you up to the game. At Paul Daner Jr., that's D-E-H-N-E-R. He's doing a great job. He's a Cincinnati fan, a Cincinnati guy himself. So great insight on what's going on with the Bengals, and it is a tough Bengals offense. This banged-up Niners secondary is going to have to go up against on Sunday. As he mentioned, T. Higgins playing the best football of his season to this point. Also Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, and, of course, Jamar Chase, a really tough Bengals offense. Thank you again to Paul. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. I'm going to be off on Monday. I'll be on a bird on my way back from New York City from the Army-Navy game. So we'll be back with you next Wednesday. We'll get you ready for the 49ers and the Falcons. Also, will Steph Curry be the three-point champion by then? All things we'll talk about in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday of next week, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you then.